As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. The attack on all your senses from minute one. It was incredible. Don't just hand over this life. Educate yourself. I welcome anything that will help to protect the children further. You know. The same spiel we get from them. Very little respect. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 Text or WhatsApp 083 Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan On Cork's 96FM Right, we've been doing this pretty much every day for the last while But this morning I want you to really concentrate, really focus and have a look Now don't distract yourself from driving or anything but as you pass your local fuel station this morning or if you are putting a couple of quid in the in the tank don't don't because it's going to go down in price at midnight but as you're passing your local garage this morning have a look at the prices because i think a lot of them went up again overnight just by five or six cent Overnight, The last time I bought petrol was on Monday evening. I was down in Glenmire and I bought petrol and it was 2.01 a litre. Uh, coming through Douglas this morning, there's a, there's a Circle K down there. There's, there's a few of different prices. The, the highest price was over 2.10. There's a Maxol on the way in the Douglas Road, 2.04, 2.05 or 6 on those. So what's going to happen tonight... Well, it'll take the prices down a little, but but they're already really, really high. Um, and they have gone up again overnight. But I just want to keep a, keep an idea. Uh, CB says 199.9 for diesel and petrol in Kenturk. 203, says Kevin. 210 in Douglas Village, says Paula. 2 euro on South Link. So we're watching them this morning because later on today we will get confirmed news of a cut in in excise duty. And look, I've been one of the people saying for weeks we should cut the excise duty. It's a no-brainer. They're taking 60 cents a litre of petrol and 50 cents a litre of diesel. And it would be an easy matter to cut it. And and they are going to cut it today. Um, I've been catching up earlier before we came on air with political correspondent Sean Defoe just to to discuss what's going to happen during the day. Sean, as I drove in to work this morning, many of the pumps on my route had already gone up again overnight. While this is welcome and we've been calling for it for a while, 
it really is only going to make the tiniest dent. But what's coming? Yeah, look, it is only going to be a small dent, unfortunately. And if you said, like it's so hard to think about, even if you said a couple of weeks ago that we were going to get a 15 to 20 cent reduction in the cost of fuel, it would have been great. But now that we've seen that, it's gone up 40, 50 um, cents over the last number of months. So what we're going to see today is there's going to be an incorporeal cabinet meeting this morning. They're going to sign off on a cut to excise. And what it's going to mean is about 20 cents a litre off on the petrol and about 15 a litre off of uh, diesel costs from midnight tonight. Now, as you say, lots of them went up overnight. They've been going up all this week. So really, it is probably only bringing it back to the cost that we saw this time last week. And the government admits fairly openly, and people I was speaking to last night, that that, again, is going to be erased over the coming weeks. So it is going to be a cut to the excise. That's going to last probably about six months out until the budget, at least, and then it'll be reviewed depending on where things are. And um, So it is a temporary stop. Uh, but it isn't going to stop the, the root causes, I suppose, in the war that's caused this rampant inflation. With the excise being a fixed charge, that is the big ticket here. Michael McGrath told me on this programme a few weeks back that they couldn't touch the VAT because of some arrangement or other with, with Europe. Is there any hope that they could look at VAT? I think there is now because Europe is looking at it actively and Europe is saying that maybe there's something we could do in it. So as of right today, there isn't going to be any decision or any movement on that and what government's waiting on is essentially European guidance and they are hoping that there might be some derogation there that they will say in a similar way to during COVID when they suspended the budget rules for different countries and countries were allowed to kind of respond that as they saw fit, they might suspend the VAT rules on fuel. We don't know exactly what the EU is going to recommend. They are expanding, expecting that advice to come and maybe tomorrow or the next day to be kind of associated with the this informal EU summit that's starting tomorrow in France. So a big question mark remaining over that, but there is some hope that maybe you can go after that as well. And we know and the kind of the combined government charges make up anywhere between 50 and 60% of the cost of fuel. Mm. So if you had a, a cut in excise plus a cut in VAT, that might be something that could be fairly significant. Because um, as you say, they, they are prices that, that sort of multiply with the cost going up and have been going up as well and, and the, the increased take. But uh, that is, I think, an open question mark. One of the things I think you're going to see today, it's not going to be a full cut of VAT. I mean, or of excise, sorry. It's not going to be that all excise is something yeah. got away with. So I imagine straight away you'll see Sinn Féin for example, coming out and saying, well, why haven't you done that? We suggest doing that and it would mean it would be 25 cents a litre instead of the, the 15 or 20 cents a litre. One of the reasons on diesel, uh, I'm told, is that there are state aid rules involved that because uh, the truckers uh, have a scheme where they can get uh, there's a tax rebate scheme for them where they can get back some of the money that they spend on diesel and yeah. if you went any lower on the diesel, uh, it would uh, basically interfere with state aid rules and that's where you're coming up against a problem. But no doubt there will be cause for them to, to push even further today. We know that the excise duty and, and carbon tax and that puts the bones of, of 60 cents on a litre of petrol. So there's there's more scope there. Just looking at some of the newspapers this morning, Sean, I remember my, my grandparents talking about the emergency and rationing and butter vouchers and all that kind of thing. Are we seriously making contingencies for that to happen? In a worst case scenario, yes. Now, hopefully, it's not as bad uh, as, as the emergency was at that time. But we we have no idea what the scale of this war 
is going to end up being, unfortunately. And so, and, and neither does the government, neither does the EU. Nobody is able to really read Putin's mind to know what he wants and whether if he does get a victory in Ukraine, he won't try and roll the tanks into, into other parts of Europe, into Lithuania or Latvia or elsewhere. So all those contingencies going in place. And they made for really, really grim reading. The, the confidential cabinet memo yesterday said that there could potentially be energy shortages, particularly if there's a, a ban on importing uh, Russian oil. I think Russian oil makes up about 12.5% of our oil. We're not directly dependent on them for gas, but we, we do get it from partners who do deal with Russia. Uh, and that that will affect the likes of food processing, for example, which mm. could then potentially lead to food shortages. So it, it, it's all connected in the sort of globalised 21st century that we live in where one domino falls that does have an impact on all the rest of them. Uh, and it was really a very, very stark warning. Obviously, Charlie McConnell met with the farmers last night to have a discussion about potentially growing crops uh, on all farms, even those who traditionally don't go crops. Uh, I'm not sure how detail, how much detail they got into last night and whether or not that's going to happen. But all these contingencies are being looked at because we could face a much bigger energy crisis that will have not gone impact into other sectors. Sean, lastly, the timetable for today. This incorporeal cabinet meeting is this morning and we can expect an announcement when? Afternoon? Uh, sometime around then. So effectively, an incorporeal is basically just to ring around to cabinet ministers to make sure that they get all their assent. They're all on different timetables this morning, so they'll be ringing them. There's due to be a press conference then with Pascal Dunhua and Eamon Ryan in around 11 o'clock, and then a financial resolution, which is basically what they use to set budgets every year, is going to have to go to the doll in the afternoon or evening and be debated and passed. I'm sure it will be passed. It's not going to be opposed. There may be some amendments to try and go a little bit further. And then from midnight is when this change will come into effect, so the 15 to 20 cents will come down uh, from midnight, basically just on doing the increase that's gone in the last few days. Sean, good as always to speak with you on the programme. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. Cheers. That's political correspondent Sean Defoe speaking to me before we came on air. So have a look around you and see what the price is at your local pump this morning. And in the case of petrol, knock 20 cents off that and, and bring it down to what it'll be. So if it was one, if it was two oh two this morning, it will be one eighty two tomorrow, which is a reduction. It's not a lot, but it's a reduction. If it was two oh two for diesel, it'll be one eighty seven or thereabouts uh, tomorrow morning. If, however, someone hiked it up to two oh five or two oh six overnight or two oh nine, as you'll see in some places, then it's only going back to one eighty seven or one eighty eight, which is precious little. Wouldn't one wouldn't want to to seem ungrateful for the gesture, but it's just a gesture at this point. One ninety eight point nine in Ahada, uh, that's going to go down to one seventy eight point nine. Uh, Donnybrook one ninety seven point nine. That'll be one seventy seven point nine. Thanks for that, Kevin. Two hundred three. That'll go to one eighty three. One ninety nine. Go to two one seventy nine. Two ten. We'll go to 190. That's in Douglas Village. Cars Hill, 209.9 for petrol. That'll go down to 189.9, 204.9 for diesel. So a load, a load of them went up again overnight by the looks of things. Sure, PJ, the retailer knows a cut in excise duty is coming, so they'll all raise their price now. So even when the cut comes into play, the retailer will still make a huge profit because they raised the price to offset the cut. Well, they still make money, whoever sent that message, they still make money even with the excise duty cut because the excise duty goes straight to the government. The excise duty doesn't go to the retailer. The excise duty goes straight to the government. So the government could take 50 cents off with the excise duty 
and the retailer still makes their cut on the litre. So that isn't going to change. Garage owners obviously knew the cut was coming and upped it last night. Like, is any of this carry-on regulated? Just keep an eye on what is the price on the pumps this morning because take 20 cents off and that's roughly what you'll be paying for petrol this time tomorrow. And if you've got enough to get you through the day, take the benefit of the small reduction uh, and don't fill up until tomorrow. Now, while we're here dealing with this element of the fallout from the war, uh, Cork Humanitarian Aid Ireland uh, set off from Kennedy Key yesterday. Uh, they are getting the ferry, or they got the ferry to Ross Lair at 9 o'clock last night. They're due to arrive in Poland sometime Friday. And uh, Maury Tuig was down at Kennedy Key to meet Katrina Toomey and Christy O'Donovan before the convoy left to do their wonderful work. Well, you know, I'm excited to get on the road now because there's a lot of planning gone into this. There's a lot of hard work, very long hours, and people, you know, working so hard. And it's all here now and looking at what's around me, you know, the, I suppose all the hearts on the Lee and all the hearts in Ireland are broken by what they're seeing, you know, in Ukraine. And we're going to go out there as one heart to bring, I suppose, aid and medical supplies, food, warm clothing, tents and sleeping bags to people that, that are suffering greatly at the minute and that are living in fear. So I think when we get there, as I said, it'll be one heart reaching out to all the hearts in the Ukraine. And we're seeing a lot of family members and loved ones here today. It's an anxious time for Oh, them. do you know what they are? And even the volunteers in Penny Dunners, I was over a while ago and they had a sing-song and everything for me, like, over. And... Um, it's just incredible I, I, yeah, and the families are here and I suppose there'll be lots of tears they're trying to keep up you know stop from crying and I'm very emotional as well because I'm going to miss them so much like mine are always in my ear and, <laughs> and it's just that uh, they're all standing over there and just looking at them they're, they're, they're scared and they're petrified for me and everybody else that's going out there all their families feel the same way but you know, they're telling us they're proud of us, but the messages that we're getting from family all over the world is, go out, we're proud of you, but hurry back. Oh, sure. I suppose apprehensive, I suppose, in one way, but we know there's people on the other side that need it a lot more than we do, so we go out and we do whatever we can to help them out. Uh, we have 11 travelling. We have um, five volunteers of Coxley Missing Persons, all going out in their own capacity. We're not going out as Coxley Missing Persons, just all like-minded people. So, um, and we have um, um, Katrina and Tom from Penny Dinners, and we have Don Lucky from the Evening Echo Travellers as well. But everyone has to drive. You can't travel unless you drive. That's the key to it all. Well, we're bringing uh, medical supplies, baby food, nappies, a lot of chocolate and stuff. We were told to bring chocolate, bringing tents, um, sanitary items. We're bringing shower gels. So there's a lot of refugees. So what we're doing is we're, we're, we're trying to get in as far as we can to the border. If we can get over the border, we'll do that. But at the moment, we're being told that it's very volatile out there at the moment on the border. So we, we're dealing with the redemption order in Ukraine and they seem to have a f- their finger on the pulse of what's going on inside there. So we'll be led by them. And a lot of family members I take it and friends here today to wave you off. What's the, the feeling there? Oh, just apprehension, to be honest. A bit of excitement. I suppose nervous, I suppose nervous excitement, to be honest. But my wife knew that I was going to be coming here because the minute that it started on the telly, she said, I know you're going to go because we've done this a lot of times there with Dan, Dan Cairns. And um, 
we, we were watching the television happen and we, it was unfolding and we said we'd have to do something so we got one van and then one of our other lads said he wanted to go we got a second van then I rang Katrina to see if, we, if she had stuff to fill the vans that she, she'd like to go so and Katrina got involved and then we heard two other vans in the last two days to bring the stuff out and we have another five van loads to go so when we come back depending on what way the, the situation is outside and it's changing by the minute we'll, we'll assess then and we might bring out an Arctic it all depends but we've access to all those things anyway that's Christy and Katrina heading off with Cork Humanitarian Aid Ireland heading off from Kennedy Key yesterday afternoon. Once they get there, we'll hope to link up with them uh, to talk about the work when they're out there. Uh, where was I? Oh, yeah, the, fish, the fishermen. I was listening to this on another radio programme the other day. We talk about putting petrol and diesel in our car. There are fishing boats that can't go to sea now. Patrick Murphy from the Irish government, uh, the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation has been looking for a meeting with ministers because the fishermen now cannot afford to fuel their boats. Now, they do get, obviously, cheaper diesel than we get for our car, but still, that's gone up too. Just looking at the AA website, now, they did their price look in February, so these figures are pretty much out of date. But in terms of... Excise, excise including carbon, it's 63 pen, cents per litre on petrol and it's just over 50 on diesel. So 63 cents per litre on the petrol, They've, they're going to take off 20. The pre-tax price in February of a litre of petrol was just under 80 cents. Now, obviously, that's gone up considerably in the last few weeks, but still, it's probably only about a euro, maybe a euro oh five. So the government are still taking, in percentage points, total taxes on your litre of petrol is over 55%. That's a lot of tax. It's an awful lot of tax. We'll talk to the fishermen in a while. Uh, The Red Cross, and we'll talk to them later in the programme today, the Red Cross are now helping people to offer accommodation to refugees coming in from Ukraine. We we know that thousands of people, two million people, according to the United Nations, have fled Ukraine in the last fortnight. And we know that thousands of them are going to arrive in Ireland looking for our help, looking for a safe place to stay with their children, maybe looking for schools in which to start their children's education, looking for jobs. And they're going to come here, and they're coming or coming here already. I've been talking to a man who's actually housed a family already. He's a businessman in Little Island called Barra. Barra holds or owns All Fresh. It's a fruit distribution company. And Barra has already gone and done it. I'll let you hear from him next. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie The Premier League Live, powered by Talk Sport. Join me, Trevor Welch, exclusively online at 96FM.ie Tune in Saturdays as we ramp up the excitement for the day's biggest games. We'll bring you pre-match analysis, live commentary and in-depth interviews with some legends of the sport. Number one, that's the Premier League Live. With Now. Stream live action from BT Sport and Premier Sport with a Now Sports Extra membership. Listen every Saturday exclusively online at 96fm.ie or download.
96 FM. Kate is wondering why we can't carpool. It helped in the 70s. A lot of people going to large employers like Amazon, Apple, etc. I remember carpooling. Kate, I, do, I don't think it's. I don't think it would work as easily now. I think our lives are far more diverse than they used to be, and a number of people in a family going different places at different times of the day. It, it, it's it's a lovely idea for some people, but I don't think it's feasible uh, generally across the board. I will talk. I'll let you hear that. I spoke to Barra Sweetnam last night, so I'll let you hear that in a while. He has already taken a family in from Ukraine and uh, I wanted to talk to him about that but first of all let me go to the aforementioned uh, Patrick Murphy from the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation. Patrick I heard some of your members on another radio programme in the last few days saying they, they actually now cannot afford to put to sea because it's too expensive to fuel the boat. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, and thanks again for letting us come on the airways um, to, to highlight to people the situation that we're fast finding ourselves being enveloped in, you know. And now, now um, you pay less for your diesel than, say, the motorist at the pump. But just, just, just bring it into context for me. Well, you see, because of the small quotas that we have, you know, a lot of boats have to steam from one fishing ground to another because if they catch too much fish under the landing obligation, <laughs> would you believe it? They, they, they could get arrested. So they have to move and catch different types of fish to add them all together to make it viable. So we don't have the same quotas as other countries that can stay in the same fishing spot and fish away merrily. So that means you burn more fuel and it just becomes financially unviable, you know, Mm. for lads to be going out there to to go fishing because you're steaming around the place. You know yourself, it's it's, it's the more more journey you take, the more you burn um, when you're traveling. So it's the same for a fishing boat. So, but not only that, PJ, the food security is what, what needs to be understood here. And the minister himself had a meeting with the farmers. Mm. Here we have our own fishing fleet with the richest fishing grounds in the world. And we have boats steaming from all over Europe coming in, burning massive amounts of diesel when we have the fleet here that can catch the fish and yeah. send it out under the emergency that we have now. And instead, we're still progressing with the decommissioning of yeah. one third of our vessels. I, I know that's very much on your mind at all times. Let me focus, if we can, Patrick, on the matter at hand at the moment. So in terms of putting a fishing vessel, say in Castletown Bear, say a Castletown Bear or a Union Hall-based trawler, in terms of the cost of filling that up with diesel to go off for your few days out fishing, how has that cost increased? What level of cost is now involved there? I hope you're sitting down, PJ, because I was told last night by one of our lads that in 2020, now it was the lowest that he paid for it and there was a lot of uh, fuel around. It was 33 cent per litre. Right. He got a quote last night um, and if he took it last night, it was one euro 15 cent. What? So you can imagine that increase. Like that is staggering. And do you know what the worst thing is, PJ? Is that if we don't set aside fuel for these industries and for our agri-industries, what we use create our food it's not just about plowing a field and increasing you know the wheat or the or maize or whatever else we're, we're planting we need machinery that'll do this and what powers the machinery fuel so we wrote to the minister and asked the minister to consider this that now is the time to do this not not be reactionary let's be proactive and here's a very simple suggestion pj and i'll put it on the airways here 
We told everybody during COVID to stop going into the offices to work from home for health reasons. Why aren't we as a government and a, a country saying the same thing now? Listen, stop driving into work. Stop going in. That would help way more than carpooling. These are sensible suggestions. Why do we have to get into a, a, a status of crisis before we start to do the right thing? It just mm. drives me insane. Yeah, I, I'm looking at that. That's a 348% increase in the litre of diesel yeah, and, to put into a fishing boat and, to bring home an essential food. And that we all need. We need food and heat and, and shelter to live. That They're the three key elements, right? Water and in that. The rest we can do without, but we need those elements to survive. And unfortunately, the boats need fuel to go to sea to catch that food, to bring it in. We need to start prioritising because we don't know where this is going to end. We know how fast it's developing and how bad it is. And I applaud the, the government for having a reaction now to, to bring it down. But unless that is sealed at the pumps that that isn't gobbled up by the people selling the fuel or saying oh we'll have to bring it up because the fuel seems to be rising faster than it's getting put into the fuel stations do you know what I mean do you, do you so you're, up, know, you're Patrick, upping the price the Spanish, that's already you know, paid for you, you know when the Spanish come up here what are they paying for their diesel do you happen to know I'm not sure but I know they're paying the same when they come in here but here's the thing PJ they won't keep coming up here because if we have a fuel shortage, right, and a boat steams into our ports, we're hardly going to give them the fuel and leave our own fellas without it. Mm. So this is the knock-on effect. We're already seeing fuel shortages in harbours and piers. This has happened in, in, in Rossaville. It happened in uh, Killybegs. You know? So this is happening already as we speak. And, and um, it's, it's, it has to be dealt with straight away. And we have to start prioritising. And I don't want to be scaring people. But we have to be smart about well, this. Well, you know, Patrick, this let, is let, let's, let's, let's put that aside for a second. We heard this at the start of the pandemic as well, and we're hearing it now. Let us not be scaring people. I don't believe in scaring. I believe in the reality. The reality now is yep. that some of your members are not, not able to afford to put to sea to get us an essential food. So we are now, we yes. are now at, the, at the start of a food, food shortage. Because well, the your beginnings, members, we, we, yeah, your members cannot yeah, we could avoid this. Yeah, but you see, that's what I'm saying about the government. They're the governing body. They're the people that write the rules, create the laws, and react to the situations. We're, we've already written to the minister, and one of our suggestions was to set aside fuel, right, for critical industries, and and store it and save it for that because and at a price, right, that they can afford to operate. Otherwise, the price of food, like we said in the letter to the minister, could start going out of proportion and we could have a run in shops instead of banks and have the same chaos that we saw at the beginning of COVID when we felt that there was going to be problems from that. And we, we need to be better at what we've learned from the past. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's bleak. It's it's very bleak, as if you hadn't enough problems to deal with. I mean, okay, Tesco and Dunn's can get plenty of stocks of fish and and meat, but our fresh fish industry getting into the likes of Pat O'Connell and getting in to the restaurants—it's the best fish in the world. And and if we and if our own guys can't afford to go to fish it, and if you say that the Spanish just won't pay the cost of diesel to come up here and fish. We're all goosed. We're goosed, yeah. yeah. And, and, and this is a reality and we have to plan for this. So instead of being cut off guard now, PJ, we should be 
reacting to this and making the proper decisions. And they're, they're sensible ones, as you said. All right, Patrick, thank you. Patrick Murphy, um, the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation. Now, 2020, admittedly, the price of fuel was very low in 2020 when the pandemic hit. Interesting when there was none of us driving, or very few of us driving, the price was low. Remember that? That was Now, they pay a special rate, 33 cents per litre, to fuel a fishing trawler, which takes an awful lot more fuel anyway than your average family car. 33 cents per litre. Now it is 115. 115. 348% of an increase. Now we've had the price of diesel for the car has gone very high and we all know that. We're all struggling with that. Can you imagine if you literally sitting there looking at your trawler that is now nearly four times as much to fuel it to go and fish to try and make a profit off the fish? Would you bother? Not to mind the stories in the paper this morning that tell us there'll be shortages of flour and shortages of bread. Pat the Baker, the owners of Pat the Baker have said the cost of bread could go up very significantly very soon because Ukraine is the breadbasket of Europe. They produce huge amounts of flour and wheat and things like that. So all that's going to go up in price. Sugar. Is going to, I mean, don't get me started on sugar. We had a sugar industry here. We were self sufficient in sugar. And we closed it down, didn't we? We did. We did. We closed down our wonderful fish. We could grow sugar beet. You could look at the ground and sugar beet had grow. And we shut down our flipping sugar, and here we are now. <sighs> I know that bomb is falling on your house. And Trent spend 18 hours trying to get to the border in sub zero temperatures. Those are bigger things. Children being born in the back of cars as they head for the. That's a much bigger thing. But we're facing fuel prices, food shortages. <sighs> Nearly had a heart attack when I filled my tank now. 205.9 in Middleton. That'll go down to 185.9. Pat says they'll, so they'll put it up again in another couple of weeks, cap the excise duty to pre-Christmas levels. Last October's budget would have expected a set amount of VAT and excise from petrol, diesel and oil. On the carpooling suggestion, my husband did carpooling. There was a bit of a tip and the passenger claimed for a fortune and the premium went sky high. That's why people don't carpool. It wasn't even for money, for the cost of the petrol, etc., Twas one day you, one day me, were stuck now with a huge cost on top of the rising fuel. Yeah, if you pull your car, you use your, you're supposed to let your insurance company know. That's another little quirk that wasn't there, I suspect, in the seventies. Somebody is saying diesel is only one twenty four today in Portugal, uh, and I got a chart. There is a chart. I'll have a look at it in a minute, and we'll see where we are across the across the EU in petrol prices. I got caught with the oil price, had to get kerosene as I ran out, and I paid one fifty five a litre last October. Last October I paid seventy two a litre. Good God. One fifty five a litre for kerosene this month. Seventy two cents last October. Had to add it to my credit card. I work full time. Work from home wouldn't suit me. It wouldn't save me money. I have to bring my son to preschool. It's in the same place as I work, 
So if I stayed at home working, my child wouldn't be able to go to preschool. It's a vicious circle. There should be help for everyone to keep going with their lives. Adjusting to the situation in Europe at the moment, it is difficult for us all. Yeah, it is. It's it's ridiculous. I filled my tank up for Monday. On Monday, it cost me 80 euro. This morning, I drove past the petrol station 204 per litre. I'm almost in tears. My son's in an autism unit 30 minutes away. He's eligible for the transport, but there isn't a service from where we are, so I get the fuel money. But now this increase isn't going to be taken into account. As regards what I said about sugar, PJ, we're also self-sufficient in fertiliser. They shut that down too. (laughs) Yeah, and at the time, people said when they were closing down the sugar industry, they said, oh God, this will come back to bite us. And this, no, no, it's the right thing to do. And then when they shut down the fertilizer industry, oh, this, oh, this, no, no, it's the right thing to do. Now what's done? It's it's come back and it's biting us on the arse. We were self-sufficient in so many things, so many things. Not anymore, and here we are. Now we've got our problems, and over in Ukraine they have their problems, which let's face it are far more serious than ours. I've been speaking to Bara. So, Barra, enough about talking and thinking about welcoming Ukrainian refugees into your home, into your property. You've already gone and done it. Yeah, well, we have a family of four, uh, mother, father, son and daughter. And we also have a single male, 25-year-old male that was in college in Poland. So we have five Ukrainians in a house in Little Island at the moment. And the... Uh, the two kids started school yesterday morning in the National School in Little Island. How did all this happen? It happened very quickly, obviously. Yeah, I suppose um, last, last Monday week, my mother, who I do what I'm told when it comes to my mother, uh, she does a lot of work in Moldova, charity work, has done for 20 years. So she was WhatsApping me pictures of refugees going into Moldova, and putting a lot of pressure on me and my brothers and sisters to raise money. And I just text her, look, I have a house that I'm not using. I bought it for staff, and they have been delayed, and it's sitting there. And I said, look, they, she can, this woman, if she wants to get them in, or if I have help with the flights, I have a house. They can have it for however length of time. I don't know. I didn't do too much thinking about it. And then she gave me an email address of a Russian lady who lives in Mallow for the last 15 years, Angelica. Um, She was on the the examiner, an article. So I emailed her and told her, look, I have the house. I can help with the flights. If there's anything else I can do, it's there. And she said, really, look, I don't think you can do an awful lot. And about four hours later, I think it's through a radio station, in the Ukraine, um, this family contacted her, said they were coming to Dublin. They had been out of Ukraine when the war started, and they were arriving in Dublin Thursday at half past three. Nice. Could I do something? So I emailed her back. Yeah, we'll do. We were in now. We had no choice. We had we had put our hand up, and so Damien, one of lads working with me, he's Polish. He's here fourteen years. Super, superman. Um, he went and collected them because he felt at least he'd have a little bit of the language or he might or that they might speak Polish or he'd have a bit of Russian. Yeah. Um, and he didn't think they'd understand me anyway. Um, so 
we spent two days in an awful panic trying to get the house ready because it was a rental house. We hadn't spent any, we hadn't done anything on it. So my daughter Ellen and my wife Susan and then lads working here were you know, buying beds, making up beds, getting clothes, trying to get the heating working and plumbing and whatever. Um, I, I, what actually what has made me feel extremely good about life and people and Irish people and Polish people, um, how helpful everybody was. Yeah. How extremely helpful. Like George Collins is a driver I have from Middleton and like he's in here at four or five o'clock in the morning and he went away and made up beds, collected furniture. His wife got shopping bags, footballs, clothes, arrived on, like everybody is trying to help. Everybody. Um I think Damien took them shopping at the weekend and they went to the Polish shop and when the owner found out that they were Ukrainian, he would not would not take money off them. Wow. Um so so they they arrived in Thursday and the night before she emailed me again said she's a single male that was in college doing a masters in Poland and he was on a flight into Dublin. Could I do that? And I said, if he doesn't mind sharing the house with the other family, no problem. So he's in the house and the family are four in the house. And um, so far, so good, to be honest. Dora, why? Why not? We have a lot more than we, ha- we think we have. And definitely my children have more than, you know, I think we're very commercial. And I am very commercial. I, I, I get up every day to make as much money as I can. But they have lost everything. Like, that family, like, I didn't think about this beforehand, but when I got talking to them, they nearly had his, you know, they, he had his own business, she works in a beautician, you know, a nice car, nice house, nice business. No, they have nothing. You know, they don't have money to get out of the banks in Ukraine are frozen. They don't know whether they're going back to their home. They don't know is their home there. Um, I think we take a lot of things, I'm myself very much included, we we take a lot of things for granted, and we're we're on, we want bigger houses, better gardens, mm. um, bigger cars, and yeah, we all want more and more. They have like these people aren't as such poor people like yeah, but they are now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I I didn't do a lot of thinking about it, uh, and I'm glad I did it. And yeah. What will happen in the future, I don't know. People might be listening to us and thinking, Bora, five total strangers. That's an awful lot of trust place in people you've never seen in your life. Yeah, and, and they speak very little English. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there again, didn't do a lot of thinking about it. Yeah. But I do think we uh, we have to take them as being like ourselves, genuine in a bad situation. Yeah. Uh, I, at the moment, I'm not thinking that will will there be a problem with maybe taking them out of the house or, or I don't. To be honest, I don't. No, they have nothing. They're very, very grateful. Very, yeah. very grateful. I'm quite proud. Like the Yaz, he's the father. Like when I'm asking, does he need anything? He he's, he steps back and he's quite ashamed and like he's a proud father and husband and provider and now he is he does know I can see it in him that he wants 
he's not comfortable taking jobs. Are you kind of thinking to yourself, Bara, do you know, if I was in that situation tomorrow, would would somebody help me? It, did that shape your thinking? Oh, very, very much so. Uh, very much so. And I think, like the Irish and the Polish as well, I would include, you know, when my brother went to England walking and he got apartments, then other Irish people stayed with him for a week at the part of the month that they found a job and got going. We were very, very, very good. That's in us to help each other. And I watched the Polish do that 15 years ago. That's right. Know, help each other, help each other. And yes, there'll be, there'll be a situation where one will take advantage, but nine out of 10 or 99 out of 100, it's very rewarding. Um, you know, for yourself yeah. or in, inside yourself. Yes, and I have been fortunate in my life. You know, things have worked out for me. Sometimes uh, I, I, I didn't think it would, but so far, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have six healthy children. I have a wife that still talks to me. <laughs> I don't. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, we're comfortable. Like, they have nothing. And maybe someday it'll all go wrong for me. And I hope that people, you know, that there's people out there that would help you. And I, I think we have to, we're going to get a lot of them coming into the country. I think we have to take them as being ourselves and give them every opportunity. Dealing with the immigration system, Barra, and dealing with the immigration officials in Dublin, how did you find that part of it? I did uh, good. I had uh, two phone calls uh, with them, and they were very, very, very nice fellas. And they needed no addresses and a little bit about me, and but they were very, very helpful. They were they were there to help. They wanted to help these people. Uh, it cheered me up because I expected with officialdom yeah. that they were going to make it awkward. Um, you know, and I've been impressed as well with what Simon Corbyn has done. You know, they, they legally can come in now and work. I know it'll be slow getting uh, PPS numbers. Like these people will want to work. They will yeah. not want sitting in a place drawing money for doing nothing. They want. They'll want to work. And like the one area where we need to start out uh, is they need to be able to drive. They need to be able to get insurance. Yes. Like the RSA recognised South Africans, Argentinians, all of EU citizens to drive or drive in this country. Yeah. It, it surely isn't just a flick of a switch to say a Ukrainian is once he has the property license. Right. You know, they can't drive at the moment. I see. I can't get them insured. I see. Because my mother has offered her car through the family so that they can have moved around and. Um, you know, they can go places and have a life. They're not limited to just Little Island or, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's an area that's... That's an interesting one. Yeah, I, I think for their own independence and for employment and accommodation, if, if the workers in charge of insurance um, could make Ukraine acceptable. Yeah. South Africa is acceptable. Argentina, Argentina some funny countries are... You can bring in drivers from uh, South Africa and they are automatically, their licenses are recognised whereas yeah. Ukrainian licence is not recognised. So. Okay, that's one to work. One, one other thing too, how did you manage to get the children into school so quickly? Barry, you're a kind and decent man. Fair play to you. I, I don't think too many say that, but uh, we keep that a secret between us. <laughs> Good to talk to you, sir. Spoke to Barry last evening. Good, then. Gentlemen, we talk again some other time.
Thanks, Farah. He is all of that, a kind and decent man. He sent in an email this morning. He says, I now know exactly why I did it. He was thinking about it last evening. He now knows exactly why he did it. I'll let you hear that a bit later. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96 Yeah, there's a flood alert at the Douglas Slip Road heading towards the Kinsale Road roundabout. That's quite dangerous at the moment there with floods. Um, so just keep an eye. 0818 96 96 96. Huge response to Bara. I'll read some of your comments in a while. And also he emailed uh, to answer me the question why. He now knows exactly why. But I want to go first of all directed to the offices of the Irish Red Cross to speak to Charlie Lampson, who is their head of fundraising. Charlie, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks lot, for having me on. And delighted. A lot of people... I think would like to do what Mara has done, but they don't know where to start. They'd like to help a refugee. How would they do that? Well, there's a couple of things that we've been asking people for. One, of course, is is to contribute to the Ukraine crisis appeal uh, by going to redcross.ie uh, and making a donation. Um, we have raised uh, in the last 10 days over 13 million euro from public donations alone. And this money is going to to two areas. One, it's going to support um, the Red Cross societies in Ukraine, but as well as in Poland, um, in Hungary, in Romania, in Moldova, all the neighboring countries where over a million people have had to flee the conflict. Um, so that support is, is absolutely invaluable uh, to that work. Um, the other thing that we've been asking people to do, and frankly, the response has been overwhelming, is to offer up a room or a home if they have a vacant property um, for a refugee coming into Ireland to stay in. Um, it's We've had over 9,000 people as of this morning uh, have signed on to what we call the Register of Pledges, which is at registeropledges.redcross.ie. And uh, a thousand of those people in Cork alone um, have signed on to do this. So it's it's just, and that's a tremendous thing to offer is to bring somebody into your home to help them. So it's it's quite overwhelming. Mm. There's a lot of unknowns involved in, in opening your door to a perfect stranger, no matter how much human kindness yeah. is driving it. Sure. There's unknowns galore. Indeed. And and so a lot of our process is that if, if people sign on to the Register of Pledges, what we will do is, is one of our representatives will come out and they'll meet with uh, the family. And then what they're trying to do is is... Uh, match, you know, the the right, you know, the right people together so that it's a positive experience for everybody. Because you're right, it, it, there are a lot of, of unknowns uh, in with that. Another thing that we're doing is, is a, uh, we have a program called the Community Sponsorship Program. And we're asking communities, they essentially set up a committee. And the committee then will work to support refugees that are coming into their, uh, into their town where they're providing just a, a welcoming environment for them to help them get settled in 
so that they're just not completely isolated, you know, uh, from the rest of the community that's there. And that might involve engagement with, with sports clubs or, you know, y- you name it. Uh, but it's just helping them to integrate as well as they can. Because you're right, there are a lot of unknowns there. That certainly is correct. About how many people, we've had some crazy numbers mentioned, um, but how many people can we honestly expect Ireland to to take, to take be expected to take in or indeed to be able to take in? I'm To be honest, I'm not sure. And I'm not being evasive on that. I'm not quite sure what the number is. And like yourself, there's a lot of sort of, you know, various numbers that are floating around. But I'm as, as I'm on the fundraising side of it. And I'm not close mm. enough to know exactly, you know, something I'm not going to start quoting on the radio. If this is the number. I know, you know, the Red Cross works very closely with the government to facilitate, you know, as smooth a process as possible for people coming in. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, again, it's, you know, it's it, it's hard to know exactly. I don't, I'm not sure anybody knows. Yeah. You know? yeah, but if somebody wants to register their interest in helping someone, they can start with your website? Yes. So as I said before, they go to the register of pledges.redcross.ie uh, and we are there. And then you sign up your, basically you give you know, your basic information of your contact details and uh, the type of accommodation that you're able to provide, and then we will get back to you. Um, given the scale of this, I'd ask people if they sign up to have a, a little bit of patience, sure. uh, because we are having to, to change our structures and everything sure. to handle, you know, again, 9,000 you know, people. But, but, but forward, you and so your team, Charlie, what I'm getting at is you, you'll do yeah. the heavy lifting. So someone registers their interest or their willingness, and you guys do the heavy lifting from there on. Correct. Yeah, and then we come back and and facilitate. Again, because we recognize, to your point at the beginning of of our discussion, it's crucial that this is something that works for everybody involved, you know. All right, listen, Charlie, thank you, and continue with the great work that you're doing at the Red Cross at the moment. I think we're seeing, we're getting a a bird's eye view that we never never wanted it, but we are seeing close up and personal uh, the the, the work of the Red Cross around around the world at the moment. And thank you for that, Charlie, and your team at the Irish Red Cross. Just get on to them. Get on to them, and they will help you if you're of a mind to do what Bora has done. He emailed... Uh, and he said, I know exactly why I did it. These people have lost everything. Exactly two years ago, when COVID hit, I thought I was going to lose everything. A business I'd spent 25 years building. I thought I'd lose it all. But thankfully, with government subsidies and extreme patience from all fresh staff, that's his business, and with customer loyalty, we survived and we're still here. So I think in my own way, I know how it feels to look into that black hole. Thanks for that, Bora. Just to, uh, on the subject of the Red Cross and fundraising, the Cork's 96FM Ukraine crisis appeal, that is continuing. And we're delighted to say that uh, thanks to you and your outstanding generosity, over €45,000 has been raised so far across wireless. That's our radio group around the country. And as the fighting and the shelling continues affecting mostly women and children who have no access to medical services, critical medicines, safe drinking water. You name it, they need it, just to stay clean, safe and warm. If you want to help, if you want to donate to the Cork's 96FM Ukraine crisis appeal, simple, you go to 96FM.ie and click forward slash aid. All right, 96FM.ie forward slash aid. 
yeah, reactions to Bora. Just listening to the man that took the family in, I just want to say what a lovely down-to-earth man he is. Fair play to him and his family, with landlords out there upping rents to beat the band, wanting more all the time. He's given up a house without thinking twice to save a family and a young man. He's touched my heart, restored my faith in the world. Wonderful story. That gentleman on the radio is amazing. A great man. What an example to his kids of kindness, an example to mankind. Kate says, if it was me, I'd be delighted with what he's done. It's great to get the ball rolling. And here's people who know a lot more about the history of certain parts of the world have been making this point for quite some time. And if you're like me, you take an interest in a story when it's in the news and you follow it for a while and then when it's over, you parcel it away. Other people have a far deeper interest in certain stories and therefore they would have a far better read knowledge of the history of parts of the world like Russia, Ukraine, etc. And this call says, I honestly think the media and the leaders of the governments have to take a share of the blame here. There's been trouble going on in the Ukraine and Donbass since 2004. Now we did ask, did you not mean 2014? But no, caller was adamant it started in 2004. And actually, it seems they're right. Nobody in the world was interested in it then. Simple and effective solutions could have been found before that much trouble had happened and much blood had been spilt. It would all have been possible then. But we had Obama and Merkel and Nulan grandstanding all over the world about it and nothing was done. Now, sadly, a lot of people are going to lose their lives on all sides. You see, if, I, I guess lessons from history are, are coming back to to be learnt right now. Still looking at the prices of petrol around the place. If you're driving past a petrol station this morning, you're best advised, unless you can avoid, if you can avoid it, don't buy until tomorrow, because it'll go down a little bit. I've also been looking around Europe at other petrol prices. I'll come back to it. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Got a few calls uh, earlier on about goods collections and aid collections that might be still continuing. Uh, apart from Cronin's coaches in Blackpool, they're going on until Friday. And we know that the humanitarian aid Ireland went off yesterday. Some of the collections might have stopped That now that the convoys are going and we're getting queries, but they're not. People are still gathering. Mill Street Community Supporting Ukraine, a fundraiser this Sunday, March 13th from 2 to 6, in the AstroTurf and GA Hall in Mill Street, a charity soccer match, barbecue, music and all proceeds going to the Irish Red Cross. And then the Cork Aid to Ukraine Facebook page has been set up to support and raise awareness for a humanitarian aid run being undertaken by Henry Quinn, John Murphy, Shane Hallahan and Shane Dennehy. They're teaming up with the Bus Workers Charity Fund who will take four articulated truckloads of essential items to the Polish-Ukrainian border on behalf of the charity, the Greater Chernobyl Cause. That convoy is departing Tuesday 15th March and we'll be very grateful for any donations, big or small. And there are quite a number of other Donations happening. All right. Uh, if you want to donate, you'll find somewhere to donate it. And if you can always just, if all you have is some cash 
or if you only have time to do a brief cash donation, pop on to 96fm.ie forward slash aid and you can send cash from us to the Red Cross. Here's a question. How do you learn? What is your style of learning? And have you often had to sort of compromise yourself to learn because, well, the way the O's around you learn or the way you're being taught doesn't gel with the way you learn. We all have different ways of learning. Uh, Una Buckley, good morning to you. Hi, PJ, how are you? Good. I did a little quiz this morning. There's a little quiz, as you know, that you can get on educationplanner.org. That and it is, says yeah. that I'm an auditory learner. Fascinating. Very good. Yeah. And how do you feel about that? I was surprised. I was surprised. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't have had audio, even though I do like to, I do like to get stuck in and learning and I do like to repeat things and hear things over and over again. Okay. So that's kind of part of it. But let's talk a little bit about BlossomForLife.com. What's that? Perfect. Yeah. So, so thanks for having me. Um, I'm Una. I'm a dyslexic assessor and specialist. Now, I'm also dyslexic myself, which often forces me and others to find new ways of learning. Now, unfortunately, historically in the classroom or in a learning environment when we went to school, that often usually doesn't suit us. Mm. So I had a very challenging time in school and university. I remember spending, unfortunately, hours and hours doing homework and studying for exams and all the, the students now going through junior cert and leaving cert there now soon. Just feeling anxious, I suppose, and underwhelmed constantly with my results so then I'd hopefully develop strategies to help me progress so one of the strategies that we look at today is, is just in the learning styles PJ and uh, maybe we'll talk through that and then I can give you a bit of background as, as to what we work on and, and what we specialize with mm. so so there's there's seven primarily different learning styles so you mentioned there that you know you have you have that side and then you could have a combination it's it's interesting you just have have one I suppose style that it's important to note that we all yeah. have maybe a combination of, of different styles so we visual learners that you know need graphs and pictures need you know more visual stimulus often involving colors then we have our listeners which you know need to maybe engage in information through lecturers or to podcasts or, mm. or through topics in that way we have verbal then which you know often they may need to speak out loud often actually students do this as you know they're walking around the house or they may need to kind of talk away to themselves which hopefully isn't a side of madness it's just more that they they need to speak (laughs) then then we have the physical side so students you know maybe need to to use their hands quite a bit so it could be quite artistic you know and architectures and carpenters anybody in in that space then we have logic learners so often prefer maths and science Mm. and and engineering that's what i was a bit surprised about una i thought sorry because the way i learned something new if if I'm given something new for say work yeah. or in a, it has to make sense to me before it'll go into the head, and I thought okay. that's what I would be, but I don't come up that way at all. Yeah, and it's interesting. A lot of people would think they're they're very logic or we're very black and white and and it's interesting that we reprocess and understand information differently so regardless of if you're dyslexic or you just have you know a different way of learning and you're you're not kind of categorized in that box we often need to to adapt different strategies to i suppose you know develop and and, and absorb the information really and it, it's about supposed i suppose trying to navigate through that and understand where you're at with that really you know mm. and the, the social type of learner is better learning in a group and then there's the person who works better alone 
Exactly. Yeah. So I'm sure the social learners must have found it quite difficult from a from a COVID and pandemic perspective. Yeah. Um, obviously, just integrating and, and working with people can be really, really helpful and bouncing ideas off them. And then obviously the solitary, you know, them them quite isolated. But I suppose once we learn, then the most important thing really, PJ, is that, you know, we can try and learn how to retain the information. Yeah. So we work with students to help develop their learning styles for, from all ages and all categories. But but then we need to, you know, work on how do we memorize it and how can we, you know, understand it differently, even if we're not doing an exam or even if we're not in school or college, how do we just pick up the the day to day things, remember what's on the shopping list, remembering, you know, what you needed to be doing this afternoon, just constant, constant reminders. So I suppose the, the, the interesting thing we've done from from research is that back in about kind of 1969, which is not majorly that long ago, um, there was an awful lot of research into, done as to how we can remember and retain information. And like this is really interesting. So we only um, remember 10%, unfortunately, of what we read, which is really, really scary. But we remember 90% of what we say and do. So that practical aspect of generating practical, relatable examples, mm. using movement, using using multi-sensory approaches and creating this kind of out of box, out of the box strategy can help retain the information an awful lot longer, which I think is just fascinating, really, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, to, to see it done and to be, the, the, there's a thing in medicine, see one, do yeah. one, teach one. Exactly. Seeing something yeah. <laughs> done and then doing it with someone standing over you, then doing it on your own and then teaching someone. You're learning at each step of that. Completely. Yeah. And, and we opt a principle at times when we're working students, you know, with a classroom dynamic or or in a lecture setting, we say, what three things do you remember from from today's session? Or, you know, what things, three things do you need to remember? What two things can you teach somebody else? And then what one thing can you, you know, implement? So what one thing will you actually take away with? Oh, I actually would like to do that. Or, you know, that's an actionable step. Mm-hmm. So how do you actually execute what you've learned instead of, you know, building up all the reams and reams and reams of information that we, we like to do as a society, but not actually majorly enforcing them or doing anything with it. You mentioned dyslexia and your own yeah. dyslexia, and we know how common it is, but for those of us who don't have it or have never experienced it, so you and I see the same page of information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How is it different the way I take it in and the way you take it in, the same page of information? Well, that's a very good question. <laughs> Listen, that, that's an evolving piece of thread. How long is a piece of string? So from, from my personal standpoint, because it's important to note that maybe everybody with dyslexia can have very, very different strands. Sure. So I can greatly struggle with reading. However, I could be great at my spelling and the student next to me may, you know, have a, a completely different strand, a completely different maybe just organisation. Yes, their reading and spelling is great. From, from my personal standpoint, I would need to reread and reread and reread information which takes obviously a phenomenal amount of time and a phenomenal amount of energy so generally speaking my spelling would have always been quite good however if I had to read an essay or read an exam question which became very difficult in my educational years I would often need to to read and reread and understand it or somebody read it out to me so I can actually figure out where the keywords are and actually what I need to answer as a question. I see I see so with me I have a page in front of me. I would read that page. It would go in. I would read it a second time to maybe clarify. And in my own auditory sense, I would read it to myself. 
to as in out loud or have some with you it's it's a different process entirely it would really, PJ, it would be, I suppose, about trying to understand, you know, where the, the key aspects are. You generally will only be able to intake a, a very small fraction of amount of information um, by reading it off a page directly. So that's where I suppose the use of, of readers in, in school settings and in exam settings have become very, very impactful and mm. very important for students with different ways of learning because they often need to, to hear it. They need to look at it at the same time. So mm. it's about, I suppose, adopting that, that multi-sensory approach and and from my organisation of Blast of Life, we help work with students to help them understand their different ways of learning, yeah. either from a primary school curriculum basis or helping them with exams or, or adults in the workplace. It's about, I suppose, trying to, to adapt the setting yeah. that they're in and helping them move forward. Is it worth all of us maybe looking to see what kind of learners we are and maybe for small children in school that we would try to see what kind of learners they if we all knew the way we learn the way our children Completely. learn if our teachers understood the way their pupils learn everybody might and and accept that getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing a one of a kind ring that you design at blue nile can help your love sparkle just choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking at Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Little Johnny learns exactly. in a completely different way yeah. to Little Mary. They're both going to be brilliant at the end of the way, at the end of it, but you need to teach them differently. They need to take it in differently. We need to accept all these changes. Flowers are not red and green leaves are not green, as the song once said. Exactly, yeah. And I suppose it's having more of that flexible education system approach as, as we move forward. And it's great, obviously, there's an awful lot of shifts in the Department of Education. However, you know, there does need to be more of a universal style approach. And what will work for, let's say, a dyslexic or an autistic student will also work for a very mainstream and standard student. So it's a very important to highlight when we work with teachers and lecturers that it's not, you know, trying to bend over backwards always for, for students, which takes maybe an awful lot of time and energy. It's saying that if you changed a few things in the classroom, did things differently, presented the information in a slightly different way, not only would that benefit greatly the student with a different way of learning, that will also actually benefit that, let's say, mainstream, you know, traditional student. Okay. All right. Uh, Blossomforlife.com is your business and your company. And uh, good to speak with you, Una. Perfect. Thanks, PJ. And like if people found it useful, we're doing a free booklet at the moment on our website. Um, so it's blossomforlife.com. If you want to go on to our mailing list and put in your details, you'll be able to, to get access to it also through there. Good to speak with you. Thanks, Una. 0818 96 96 96. I live with a visual learner. My, my, my wife is very visual. And one thing that pops into mind is that when we were trying to do some work in our kitchen a couple of years ago, we were 
planning for where the island would go and planning for where the units would go and, and all of this. And we literally spend hours with bits of string and bits of timber and whatever we could get to lie down on the floor, lay them on the floor in the shape of where the kitchen might go. Now, I had gotten a drawing from the guy who was designing the kitchen and I could envisage that in my head, but herself had to see where, just different ways of learning. Um, it, it's, it's, it's amazing when you look into it. It really is. Like, if you're telling me something that I need to know, I might ask you, would read it to me, will you? Or if you want me to, to help you with something, read it to me, because I need to hear it. There's a little quiz you can do. Um, it's, it's a clever little play, little quiz. And it's on a website, which is called, and I have it in front of me here, it is called educationplanner.org. And there's a quiz there where you can find out what kind of learner you are. Do it for the fun of it. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael with an update on Cork's entertainment. Van Morrison has added a second date at Cork Opera House taking place on June 28. Tickets are now on sale via Cork Opera House box office and Ticketmaster.ie. Access all areas. There's an excellent double bill coming up at Cypress Avenue on Friday, May 6, featuring Waterford Noise Nicks Percolator with support from Junk Drawer. Tickets are now on sale from the venue and online at cypressavenue.ie. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition, or gig coming up, or any live streaming events by emailing us on AAA at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Trisha's listening in London. She says, I was exactly the same as your wife, PJ. A few planks of wood and I figured out what was going on. I got it. My husband, like you, was okay with the drawings. I'm glad I'm not alone. <laughs> 0818 96 96 96. Now, Patricia, you got in touch with us in, in the last few days, and I appreciate you waiting because we've been moving you around because of the war and other such things, and you're with us now. Um, you had some difficulty dealing with our hospitals, and you were listening to me talk about hospitals last week and felt compelled to call. I did. I did. Um, I became on my in November. Um, I had massive hemorrhaging from November till um, early January. Yeah. Um, that was after I received the booster shot. Even though I'm told it's not related, um, I wasn't sick prior to that. So um, I ended up that I went to my GP. He put me on a coagulant to stop the bleeding. And um, my husband was compelled to call an ambulance after I arrived in for work and collapsed at home and then passed out twice on my couch. Um, the ambulance came. They thought I was more at risk of going to a hospital, of going to the CUH than I was being at home, but had advised me that I had an irregular heartbeat, which I never had before. Right. Um, I was yellow, very, very yellow. I hadn't eaten since Christmas except for iced water. Nice. And um, we went back to my GP who was continuously sending my bloods into the COH because he was worried about my condition because I don't really complain. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and on the 12th of January, I got my bloods done again, which was nine days after I started the coagulant, after the bleeding had actually stopped from the mm-hmm. coagulant that I had been put on. Sure. And my doctor did my bloods again and sent them back to CUH. Um, I got a phone call at nearly seven o'clock in the evening from South Dock to advise me that I wasn't to walk or to drive. Right. Um, I also received a text from my GP to say I'd present myself at the CUH immediately. Right. It was detrimental to my health. Right. Um, I arrived at the CUH with a letter from South Dock and I was called in by the triage nurse who was abrupt, not polite, okay. quite aggressive, wanting to know why in God's name I had presented myself to the CUH instead of the CUMH. And as I explained, my situation of have been unwell since the November. Yeah. And that I didn't write the letter. Yeah. I was only you went where the letter the told letter. you to go. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. She was very abrupt really, really. And she kind of said to you, well, I why are you like not we, over in CUMH and you're, you're, you're in you this is the letter I've got. And, and she exactly. kind of, okay. And did you get, you got transferred over eventually to CUMH, did you? Well, I, at about five o'clock in the morning after I had arrived in the CUH at half seven, at five o'clock in the morning, I asked another member of staff if it was detrimental to my health. Would it, could I leave? Because I just felt like nobody wanted me there in the first place. And if I was leaving, could the said person that saw me in triage, could I get their insurance details? And next thing I was seen very quickly after I had asked for their insurance details. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, I spent um, from five o'clock then till just after seven in the CUH side mm-hmm. and the staff. The difference was unbelievable. I was transferred over to the COMH side. I was seen immediately when I went in there and they took my history immediately. Mm. Um, I was advised that my blood count was so low that I was lucky I hadn't had a heart attack or a stroke. So I I take it Um, that the nature of your complaint was probably better dealt with at COMH. Is is that what they, they seem to say? Yes, that's what they were saying. Okay. So I was put into the critical care in the CUMH side. I was given four units of blood and an iron infusion. Okay. Um, and did you get better? So I was obviously critical at that stage. I did. I did, to be fair, and I was monitored very closely. And I have had several appointments since to see if it was a gynecological problem, which they can't find. Right. So, um, since then, I ha- I fell and I broke my ankle. Oh, you poor woman. <laughs> but I was taken back to the CUH over my ankle. Um, I was taken by ambulance because it was in quite a bad state. And I was brought in cared for very well by the ambulance staff, got an x-ray. They did say that my ankle was broken. Mm. I was put from the stretcher into a, a bed and into a cubicle. Um, I was seen by a doctor there, and I don't mean to sound racist. I am not racist, but his English was very bad. Okay. Um, came back to advise me that I had a break in my leg okay. and put a boot on my foot, presented me with crutches, 
Now, the bar on the bed was up and the bed was very high off the ground and advised me I could leave once I adjusted the crutches. I couldn't even get out of the bed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was so high up. Um, I had to wait at least 40 minutes before I saw somebody else that was passing in and out to advise them. For one, I couldn't get out of the bed. Two, that the boot that I had now got on my foot was far too big. Mm. I am less than five foot. I have a size three foot and the boot was swinging off my foot. I was walked out to the car, came home. I was still in agony. I rang on the Tuesday, was told that I have to represent myself to the COH mm-hmm. A&E, um, which I did. I was brought in quite quickly into the back of the COH, but it was nine hours in total. I waited for a smaller size boot. Yes. Yes. Um, when I went back, I asked, was there a referral sent to the fracture clinic? No referral had been sent. Um, I had to chase up the referral myself. Mm. And when I rang about the referral in the fracture clinic, they advised me I had to go ring the CUH A&E and get the referral sent from there to the fracture clinic for a central appointment. So you're chasing up your own paperwork. Exactly. When I rang A&E, I was asked what my problem was quite abruptly and, oh, what do you think we can do about it? Um, It was just madness. I spent another week in absolute agony and I rang on not Tuesday this week, Tuesday of last week, in chronic pain with my ankle. Mm. And I was, I got onto a virtual clinic for the fracture clinic, explained my situation that I had spoken to five different departments alone that morning, as well as being in contact the week previous. And she told me that I was on a listed appointment for the following week. And I told her I would actually prefer to hit myself with the car and wait for the week I was in so much pain and she said you can represent yourself to A&E and I said they told me they can't do anything for me in A&E till I'm seen in the fracture clinic now I did hang up she rang me back immediately and she said if I could get myself to COH before 12 o'clock that I would be seen in the fracture clinic and thank God somebody did and they changed from a boot to plaster Paris Um, I was seen again yesterday and the plaster was changed because the swelling had gone down. But prior to that, I was in absolute agony, and how, having to and chase how up are you my now own. That they've changed the plaster and all that, and the swelling has gone down. Yeah, how well, are you now? it's 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 good. Good, good. I'm not used to sitting on my couch with my foot up, but I've had to do that. But okay. I, just the initial having to chase paperwork yeah. that I'm not responsible for, and I did think like mm. the treatment of. I wouldn't have liked to have been an older person in A&E yeah. because I felt nobody could come in with me and I felt like that if I had missed something in the conversation, some somebody that would have been with me might have been able to pick it up. Yeah. And the fact that I felt nobody listened to me when I kept saying initially that the boot the second time was far too big. Yeah. And I felt like nobody was listening to me. It ended up being enormous on my foot. And tell me, Lastly, Patricia, because I see in the breaking the news this morning, unions now that represent healthcare workers uh, are meeting TDs and senators to talk about overcrowding. Like, was the place overcrowded, busy, when you were in there? Every, I have to say, 
on the night that I went in initially with my foot, it seemed calm. But they, when I represented on the the Tuesday, every cubicle in the back of any was full. Yeah, it's very, it's very, very, very busy. But I, I did notice, like in England or Scotland, I have relatives that are Scottish. If you present yourself in a Scottish hospital with like a swollen leg, suspect a break in your leg or your hip or your whichever, you were sent. You go into triage, and from triage, you're sent straight to X-ray. Yeah, you're dealt like with in a separate corridor, so you're in and out. Yeah. If it's a break, if it's a screen, you're in and out, and yeah. it doesn't affect the running of other patients that are more critical or yeah. that have. They, they seem to have a better filtering system in some parts of the UK. We just tend to get triaged, exactly. and your name's put on a list in order, and you're called. In order, it's just a different exactly. way, I guess, of doing of doing the same thing. Patricia, you're you're on the mend. I say the initial problem has cleared up, and, and you're on the mend from the. It late has, month. it has. Thank God, and my blood count is up to, good, good, to good. fairly normal good, now. Good. But it is being closely monitored since. But I have to say, only for my GP, right. an excellent GP in Cartoon, I have to say, Sushil Ranga. He saved my life basically because the irregular heartbeat and the yellowing colour that I had initially was a sign that my system was shutting down something. from the lack of blood. Something, something was definitely up with you back then, Patricia. Thank you. Uh, you've been through the wars, uh, but uh, appreciate your call and certainly the idea that people would have to chase up their own paperwork and call up to get their own paperwork. It's been going on since time began doesn't make it acceptable. But yeah, that story, thanks Patricia, that story that is breaking this morning, unions representing healthcare workers are to address TDs and senators on the ongoing overcrowding. The INMO, that's the Nurses' Union, they called the meeting to highlight that more than 21,000 patients have been on trolleys in hospitals so far this year. That's an increase of 170% on the same period last year. I told you it was a doozy. I told you it was a beauty. Corks 96 of M wants to send you and a friend to the biggest fight of all time in women's boxing. Katie Taylor, our own Katie Taylor, takes on Amanda Serrano for the world lightweight title at Madison Square Garden. And we are sending you and a friend. How you'll get there, you listen at 8.15, 2.15 and 5.15 to hear what we call our knockout hits. When you have all three song titles from the day, you'll then text or WhatsApp Lorraine on the big drive home for your chance to qualify. So we'll pick a qualifier every day and our winner will go to see Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano in Madison Square Garden in New York on April 30th. Flights, accommodation and dosh to spend. I told you it was a good one. And it's all with no DC Cars Blackpool. Put your trust in their award-winning after-sales team and a Skoda service at noldc.com. Only on Cork's 96FM. Absolute cracker of a competition. Right, back to Petrol. Taryn, good morning. Okay, we'll try and get her back. I went around the around Europe in the last while. Um, and I went through some of the prices. Now, our prices are crazy high. You're in around €2 Euro a litre now to come down by 
by 20 cent tonight for petrol. But I just went looking around the EU. Germany, and these were on the 28th of February, so things are changing so fast, these are probably a bit out of date. But 28th February is the last date I can find. Germany, 187 a litre. Greece, 191. Italy, 187. Belgium, 173. Denmark, 195. France, 181. Netherlands, 210. What? Norway, you ready for this? You're sitting down. 238. Poland, 124. I'll give you the cheapest uh, after I talk to, to Taryn. How are you doing, Taryn? Thanks for yourself, PJ. Good, good. Now, uh, you filled up your tank on Monday? Yes. Okay. What was the cost? So it came to about 82 euros, and I've never paid that much to fill up my tank. Yeah. Yeah. And this Um, morning you saw petrol at 204 a litre. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, I sat there and I'm like, how am I going to do this? I've got to drive half an hour to drop my son off, half an hour back home, and then half an hour to fetch him again every day. Yeah. And it's not like I have a choice on what school he goes to, you know? Yeah, because he's in an autism unit. That's right. Yeah. Um, and that is the closest one available. And he's in an early intervention class, so we're yeah. trying to find him a spot for um, next year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And... Um, and would you not get transport for him, no? So, he's eligible for the transport, but there's nothing going from our area um, to his school. I see. He's not. He's so eligible, but he's not on a route. Yes, exactly. He's not on a route. So, right. they're paying me the, the fuel price instead, but now that's what it was sitting at previously, um, which is great. I'm, I'm so grateful that I'm getting that much. Yes. But they're not going to take into consideration the increase of fuel price. I've been set for this amount, and that's it. No, because like, at what rate are you getting the fuel? So, oh, I'm trying to think of hand now. Um, well, I'm getting would... a different rate for up to six thousand kilometres. I think it was okay. so just over six thousand, and then thereafter it's a reduced rate. I think it was. Um, Gosh, I'm trying to remember the lesson now. Well, whenever you were approved for it, there would have been a certain rate. So when were you approved? Um, I got the lesson about two weeks back now. Okay, so you were approved a couple of weeks ago. So even in that two weeks, the fuel has gone up considerably, but you're going to get the relief at the the rate agreed at the time. But the point you're making is it's going up and going up and going up. And you, you're yeah, one of these people that has stop. to. You're one of these people that has to drive. You, you just don't have a. You just don't have a an alternative. Exactly. I can't just send him to the school down the road. And there's two schools four minutes from my house, but they've got no space for for my son. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a terrible situation to, to find yourself in. And you're you're one of many parents, Taryn. Thank you for that. Two o four a litre in her local shop or her local garage this morning. She's got no choice but to drive all those miles every day and it's just getting more and more expensive and she does get a rate but that rate is from weeks ago and it's going it's, it's it's still going up it keeps going up i gave you the most expensive was the netherlands uh, sorry, norway norway is currently the most expensive at 238 per liter um 
the cheapest in the EU would be Malta, because Malta is one of these places that doesn't do excise on fuel. So Malta is now at 134 for a litre. But should the Malta, like, is about the size of Douglas, it's so flipping small, you don't need that much petrol to drive there. Would you, would you ever care to guess how much petrol is in Russia? Now, I know they, they have lots of oil, but how much a litre of petrol is in Russia? Would you care to guess? I'll tell you in a sec. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, qualifying for that competition starts Monday. Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano. Madison Square Garden, 30th April. And you and a friend will be there. We'll fly you there. We'll get your tickets for the fight and we'll put some spending money in your wallet. It's a great prize. And the qualification starts next Monday on Cork's 96 FM, all with all DC cars. Petrol, uh, 207 on Inniscarra Road yesterday, says Mick in ovens. It's gone crazy now. Uh, 20 cents off the litre of petrol tonight at midnight because of the change in, in excise duty. So that'll bring that down to 187, Mick, if that's any help. But then again, you see, the, the harsh reality of this, I work as a home help. We asked SIPTU to investigate where we stand with the fuel increase. HSC have said we will not get an increase. My fuel, just to do my work, has gone up by 60 euro a week. Now, these are home help workers who aren't exactly the highest paid workers in the land anyway and are some of the most overworked people in Ireland. 60 euro a week. And then Kevin was on for Blarney. What about the hauliers and the courier companies and the taxis, etc.? There has to be some kind of an, a discounted rate for these businesses. And then we heard from Patrick this morning with regards to the fishermen. We now have fishing trawlers will sit in ports because they can't afford to fuel them to go out to fish for essential food. This is a mess. And hopefully tonight what happens with the excise is the start of something. We give, you know, give credit where it's due. They've decided to do something. They're going to take 20 cents off it from midnight tonight. It'll last, we're told, until the end of August. End of August, this this, uh, discount will last. Uh, Also in the next couple of days, the EU is going to look at VAT, see what can be done with regards to VAT. There's something happening, but it would look as if the climbing price of fuel is just running away. It's running away like a frightened horse, and there's very little we can do to, to pull it back. But here's hoping. Just listening to the prices quoted for petrol around Europe. I'm living in Belgium, just filled up. Price here is 195 Put in a hundred euro and the tank isn't full. Hi, Michael. Michael Morrison listing in Belgium. In Russia, by the way, well, in Ukraine. Uh, and look, they have enough things going on 
to worry about the price of fuel if they can even get fuel. In Ukraine, it's one thirteen per litre. In Russia, the average price per litre of a litre of petrol as of the 28th February, according to the, the chart I have in front of me here, was 43 cents a litre. Now, look, they own loads of the oil. They own the oil, so it's their oil. So 43 cents a litre for petrol in Russia. 0818969696. Kevin is with West Cork, Ukraine, appeal. Uh, and I think, you, Kevin, you are now on the border between, between Poland and Ukraine. Am I right? No, we left there last night. Okay. Uh, and we pulled up, I think, around midnight. I can't remember. It all blur. It's all a blur now. Yeah. And we got a hotel for around 30 euro in an hour south of Krakow. Right. Uh, we woke up to snow this morning, so the van was covered in snow. Okay. So you're not, you can't move for a while. But where are you headed? Uh, we're heading to the German border. And from there, going home to the Harv on Friday. Very. Okay. What kind of things have you seen? Uh, to be honest, a lot of it's very quite normal, even up to the last hour when we get close to the Ukraine border. We did a lot of cars seeing the West Cork uh, aid points on our vehicles, and they'd pull up and they'd start flashing the lights and being the horn and clapping us on. Uh, we had some guys that had posters made up of their worship worship, and they were telling us where to go and telling us that they were supporting us and we were supporting them and putting the foot the thumb up and didn't they drive on. Um, my father was in a service station today with a truck and there was buses of women and young kids coming out into the service station and uh, it was very sad, very emotional. Yeah. It's tough to see what people are going through, isn't it, Kevin? We we really have no idea until you land out there. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, it makes you well up just thinking about it now, just talking about it. It's, 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 it's a lot of deals of young, young kids on their own without mothers and fathers coming across the border. Um, we've had people telling us there's no food at some of, some of the borders, and uh, that's what all this aid is about. I'm, I'm sure we're going to do a lot of collections where money is, is, is king because we can buy stuff on the ground and get it in quickly. But, uh, but I, I'd like to say thanks to everyone in, in Cork and all of Ireland for bringing something early while they need it. Yeah. Um, you're doing tremendous effort, and it's, it's just everywhere. It's just every human being you go is, is helping in whatever shape or form they can. You brought over an awful lot of stuff, didn't you? We did. Uh, we had a half a pallet on Tuesday morning. We called up to Ronan Engineering and Bandon Bypass and crafted a half pallet or a pallet, and uh, the next day we had nine pallets, the next day we had 22 pallets. We shipped with 26 pallets, fully loaded, with another 13 on top. And as I said earlier, the, my dad, he said he couldn't fit a, back, a box of matches in anymore. Uh, some people were still coming up to us trying to fit some more in. Right. Right. That's fantastic. That's an incredible amount of stuff brought out. Stay there, Kevin. The line isn't the best. We'll hope it holds. Uh, Kevin is in, in, in Poland as we speak. Sandy Harrington's in Bandon, who is coordinating this entire operation. It, it was a remarkable success, Sandy. You were talking to Fiona here on the show last week. I was, and I, I, I cannot take personal credit for this. It's There's a huge, a huge team here involved. Cracked uh, Cafe in Bandon would have started this last Saturday with a small appeal. Um, we're still on the same week, aren't we? Yeah. Um, so it would have been the week previous to that, sorry. They started a small appeal, and around the time, I think, Ronan up in Toomey's uh, prison uh, engineering <clears throat> started. So, again, Kevin was like the linchpin in between. He got in contact. He was like, oh, we have a truck. And we were like, oh, cool, we've got some stuff. You know, maybe 
three pallets. Um, by Tuesday evening, I had put a call out um, and our Lady Mayor had given us use of the old TSB building on Main Street in Bandon. By Wednesday evening, I think we were up to about 19 pallets all told with different calls coming in from, God, it was coming from Lep, Dunmanway, Clonakilty, Tipperary, Mallow. Um, by Thursday evening, we were like, lads, we're going to need a bigger boat. Um, and then by Friday evening, we were like, lads, do we just actually pack two entire trucks, a van and a trailer, uh, ready to go? Um, but it has been phenomenal. Um, I've, I've I've had very long days and everybody else has too because between me annoying them and trying to pull different strings and dots mm-hmm. together and whatnot but the team has been phenomenal mm-hmm. and without like Swavik and Rafal down and cracked we had the language connection for information on the ground over in Poland mm-hmm. um, which has been all told amazing yeah. but it's a huge group of people the Ukrainians have come together that live and work here um, we're diversifying now where it's not just aid collection so uh, in the last 48 hours we have secured the old library in Bandon right. as a new point of contact so we're going to move task from the TSB building into the old library mm-hmm. um, and we're going to basically turn it into an aid collection point yes but also a, a resource centre so it will be a place where people who are coming here have a place to go and get what they need knowing their own personal needs what a, fabulous uh, a shop idea. a shop without a shop without money basically what a so fabulous idea. there has been idea. a um, we have a donation of a computer, printer, um, web hotspotting services coming in from another one of my contacts. Uh, so people will get support, be it logging on to government websites, trying to navigate right. that kind of side of things, being able to contact people at home, so email this services, is, this, uh, this Sandy is for the people who were inevitably, like we were talking to Bara earlier on this morning, he's already taken mm-hmm. in one family and one individual mm-hmm. gentleman. Uh, this is for the people who will come to West Cork Yes. and try to settle. This will be a resource centre, yes. like a shop without money for them and a kind of resource mm-hmm. centre. While, while you're yeah. there, Kevin, if Kevin can still hear us over in Poland, mm-hmm. this is getting huge, Kevin. Yeah, when we arrived at the distribution centre yesterday, um, it was quite emotional. We pulled up, there was about, I don't know, there's 20, 30 or 40 people. They've got beds, so they're sleeping there overnight. They have the people helping on the ground. They're doing a night rotation. When we opened up the curtain of our trailer, some of them were taking pictures, some were nearly crying. Some of them were doing the kind of meme where, you know, mind blown. They just could not understand how we packed so much stuff and, and packed so well and diligently. Um, and then when we pulled up with the second trailer, they're like, oh, we're going to be here for hours. So we were all at it for four or five hours unpacking the trailer yesterday and, and setting up context for the next one that goes out. Lads, aren't people just amazing? Yeah, unbelievable. They actually, they actually didn't go straight to work with us. They brought us up for bread soup, gave us hugs, uh, shook our hands, learned our names. It was just really emotional. They actually wanted us to stay with them that night and stay in the B&B that they'd commandeered and then to actually celebrate the load being delivered. Um, we actually have an office as well in our company, Solo, in, in Livid. And uh, I want people over there daily as well. And uh, yeah, it's been quite stressful. It is one of the further, you know, western cities in Ukraine, but... It's just running out of food. They actually have animals, all their animals in the shelters over there. They're doing a lot of aid as well to bring food to the animals to make sure that they're being looked after. It's just, you know, from the ground up, everyone, animal, kids, people, everyone's affected. This is this is phenomenal. The, the response, though, uh, Sandy, and I, and I think every time I take a call like yours, Kevin, or anyone else, 
every time I, I take a call, people are ringing us saying, where can I take stuff? Where can I take stuff? So are, are you still gathering, yeah. Sandy? Uh, yeah, at the moment we are. We're um, after teaming up with Cork Aid to Ukraine. So it's a group of drivers based out of Cork that are being coordinated by Henry Quinn. Oh. So you have he and a couple of other uh, big trucking family names, we'll say, in the city that are sending four bus, no, sorry, four trucks and four buses out with the bus drivers that would do consistent yearly runs to Chernobyl. So they have huge embassy support and whatnot. So, as you know, trucks are difficult to come by and they're extraordinarily expensive to run. So we're on their supply chain for medical aid, food, baby support, um, which is very much needed on the ground and sleeping bags, that, that that genre of stuff. So we're sending that out with them. There's They're leaving Tuesday the 15th, but they're going to run concurrent runs after that. So any aid collections that we do, we will be sending it with them. Um, so we are still in need of a dry shed or a warehouse because the TSB filled over 14 times over 48 hours. Um, and without the trucks and trailers, in fairness, Gordon Gash has given us the loan of a trailer just so we can store pallets on it until the lads can collect on Saturday. Um, but at that, we're already up to eight pallets for that run and have four sitting in the wings. Christ. So it's it's consistently turning and turning and turning. Um, but yeah, it's the balance between warehousing, transport and the resource in town. And Dunmanway, I have to admit, uh, Dunmanway, I have to mention, Dunmanway have come on board as well, and we will have another one of these miniature resource centres based mm. in Dunmanway. Brilliant. Um, to support almost a trifecta of Bandon, Clonakilty, um, and Dunmanway. So post. Deirdre Kelly's been really, really there's instrumental in, in there's pulling there's Dunmanway together for there's me. That's a posh word, the trifecta. No, a trifecta? <laughs> I was going to say triangle, and I was like, I'm sure that's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> Sandy, it's incredible work. Kevin, your, head, your schedule, once that snow clears, you're headed back. Are you headed back home? We're heading back. My father's about two hours in the truck with um with Tomas. You ahead of us. They're going to they'll be heading back with us on the boat on Friday. Okay, well, safe journey home, and uh, your your work has just been phenomenal. And what you've done, Sandy and yourself, and all the team involved in that, just been incredible. And it looks like that's only the start of what will be done by West Cork Ukraine appeal. Kevin Toomey, who's currently in Poland, turning around to come back after delivering a massive shipment, and Sandy Harrington coordinating the lot in abandon. Thank you both for being with me on the opinion line. Uh, isn't it great being from Cork, lads? Aren't we brilliant? Aren't we just fantastic when we're, when we're asked to, to help out like this? And we're just, just incredible. Absolutely incredible. Just to let you know, the lights by the funeral home on Sarsfield Road are out. Thank you for that. By me, a place has put the price up in the last couple of hours. From, three times. From 199 to 201.9 to 204. Point nine. That's gouging it by the sounds of things. Eugene says, I do feel if we were still dealing with gallons and not litres, there'd be a much bigger outcry. 4.5 times bigger. That's amazing news about the endurance also. It's like finding a needle in a haystack. I knew you'd be a happy man at that news, that the endurance, Ernest Shackleton's endurance, has been found. But yeah, if we were still buying and selling our petrol by gallons, you'd be looking at... Stop. How much is a gallon at two at two euros a litre? How much is a gallon? It's the bones of a tenner. Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Can we just talk? 
the opinion line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Corks 96 FM wants to send you and a friend to the biggest fight of all time in women's boxing. Katie Taylor takes on Amanda Serrano for the women's lightweight world title at Madison Square Garden. And you could be there. It's just a TKO. Listen weekdays at 8.15, 2.15 and 5.15. To hear the knockout hits. The knockout hits. When you have all three, text or WhatsApp the big drive home for your chance to qualify. Flights, accommodation, spending money. And tickets to Taylor versus Serrano on April 30th in New York. It's just a TKO. With no DC cars Blackpool. Put your trust in their award-winning after-sales team with a Skoda service at noldc.com. Listen and win from Monday only on Cork's 96FM. Eugene put me on to something there, just doing a bit of uh, mental arithmetic during the, the break there. So... At today's prices of, we'll say, 203 or 204 per litre of diesel, or, sorry, petrol. Petrol is today 9.26 a gallon, if you do the conversions. Petrol is 9.26 a gallon today. Go back to 2020, pre-pandemic, petrol was 6.53 a gallon. So it's pretty close to 3 euros a gallon dearer. But in that kind of context, 0818969696. I'm joined by Marcus Hunter Neal and Gian Sullivan. Help me, Gian Bilecci. That's perfect. <laughs> lovely, lovely. And you're both here to talk about this is grand lads flying your freak flag. Indeed, <laughs> how freak is your flag? <laughs> This is a new dating podcast. So off you go. What's it all about? You start, Marcus. Well, basically what it's about, it's about dating in the modern world. And a lot of our clients would be possibly people second time round and um, who are just trying to navigate the waters of online dating, what you can and can't do. And also just trying to find maybe love if you have spent the first quarter of your life, you know, focused on work and now you're like I'm taking the brakes off but how do I meet the right companion now the 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 idea was yours Gian and then Marcus you joined up with with Gian so where did it come from yeah, so um, I'm a dating coach uh, we've talked before I'm the soulmate coach and I... Um, I I have been wanting to do a radio show for a really long time and it came to me because I use the concept of well I use drag queens in my coaching a lot because they're a great example of flying your freak flag of living out loud you know not being afraid to you know show your full personality and show up really large <laughs> and not being afraid of intimidating other people and when I met Marcus he he's an amazing drag artist but he's also an amazing life coach and we just had a very similar um, points of view about how to help people find the right partner and I thought he'd be the best partner and we made a great team. Lady Portia de Monte I could also have introduced to as that Marcus. Well listen I'll take anything whatever way it comes I'm easy. (laughs) (laughs) So this is all about how, one, one of the things you do, for example, how to spot a scammer. 
how to mm. spot a mm-hmm. messer. Like we've we've all seen the Tinder swindler and God knows inventing Anna. Like I still don't know how she got away with it. Like, mm. um, so when you go out into the dating world now, you be aware that it's full of chancers and gangsters and people trying to swindle you. So so that's what one of the things you're doing in the podcast. Exactly. So that's that's episode one, and that sort of is, is tackling what to look for. What are red flags? And this is why I was saying that it's dating for the modern world. And it's a it's also like a how-to guide, how to love yourself first, so that you're not putting all of your emphasis on a relationship. Because if you have a perfect relationship with yourself, you will spot red flags because you don't need to be in a relationship. Sometimes people feel the need that they have to be in a relationship and they ignore the red flags where we sort of talk you through how to be completely comfortable and happy in your own skin, know what you're bringing to the table so that you know what you expect somebody else to bring to the table and you don't just settle because somebody has swiped right on you and it's you think that they're the one. Yeah. What I'm hearing here is, Jan, before you go out into the dating world, you need to know what you're putting on show. You need, you need to know what you, the yeah. product, is. Yeah, you need to be really, you know... We talked uh, once before, PJ, about confidence. Yeah. And I know sometimes people in Ireland confuse that with arrogance. And I'll just say it's really more about for the other person to be comfortable with you, you need to just be comfortable in your own skin. It's so much more easy to be with somebody who likes themselves. And so that's the key step, as Marcus said, is to, you know, really get comfortable with who you are, not you know, once you reach a certain age, it gets pretty exhausting trying to be what everybody else wants you to be or what you think they want, you know? So you want to really put yourself out there with 100% authenticity. So once you've decided what you got and what you're putting on display, as it were, your second episode's coming out next week and it, it, it goes through what flying your freak flag really means. Now, I have to say, Marcus, that when I saw flying your freak flag, I goes, what's that about? So tell me more. Well, basically, it does what it says in the tin. What, whoever or what you are, and if you have spent the early parts of your life dimming your light for somebody else because you maybe think, well, they'll not like me if I'm like this or they'll not like me. And then your sort of like flamboyant side comes out or maybe you just love to really dress over the top or you're really great fun at a party, but you've been with a previous partner who's been like, every time you're at a party, you just show off and everybody's just so embarrassed. But actually when you whittle that back, that's actually the insecurity of the other partner, not you. So you go out and the next partner that you have You are 100% you, and that's what they will love about you. And you'll find somebody that will like that. Rather than you trying to be the round peg fitting into a square hole, you will eventually find another square peg, and the two of you will have great fun together. But that all comes from having enough confidence within yourself to go, I'm happy enough to wait until I find the right match than just be with anybody. Yeah, there's a song coming to mind. That song from what musical was it? Was it The Greatest Showman? This Is Me? Yeah, well, that's that's (laughs) 100%. So basically, I've been a drag queen for 22 plus years. Mm. And before I started doing drag, um, there, there was no, like it was pre-internet, all that type of thing. So the world has changed so quickly in the last 25 years, say. And 
being a drag queen, people thought I was weird. I was a pervert. And even people on the gay scene were like, oh, I, why, why would you want to dress up as a woman? Whereas now it's totally cool and in vogue. So I went through my entire 20s <laughs> single. I had one relationship for um, two years um, early 30s and for the last eight years I have been um, I've been single so the thing is I'm secure enough within my own skin to be single I know what I'm bringing to the table I have the most exciting life that you could actually ever think of <laughs> I fly all over the world with my job I'm answerable to nobody so I will now need to find somebody who's cool with the fact that I'm not 100% there all of the time, you know? So this is me. And if somebody finds and resonates that with me, we'll ebb and flow together. I'm not, mm-hmm. there's the best, if you find it online, Eartha Kitt being interviewed. Yeah. And this guy says to her, um, you know, it's maybe about time that you find a man and you might have to compromise a little bit. And she just starts laughing. And she starts laughing at him. She goes, are you listening to what you're saying? You're telling me to find a man. I have to compromise for him. No, it's 50-50. We meet in the middle. There's no there's no compromise. I am what I am and he is what he is. And then we'll meet that way. And she said, how ridiculous. Me, compromise to just to find a man? <laughs> yeah, Jan, actually, like that, that's the thing. I mean, pretty much every successful relationship involves a certain amount of, of compromise, doesn't it? Like that's, that's how we settle into life. The, uh, Marcus, with respect to your dream, I'm wondering are you dreaming a bit strongly there? Do you know what I mean? But, I mean, down in West Cork, Jan, what opportunities do you have to, to show off and say, this is me? Well, you know, I like to show up in my glitter berets and I have my funky glasses and I wear, you know, pretty (laughs) out there clothing a lot of the time. I get looks sometimes, but I'm feeling my fantasy. I feel like I'm having a lot of fun. I'm being authentic. And I encourage clients to do the same. They don't necessarily have the same idea. It's just that a lot of times because other people put us down or say, oh, you should, you're too much, you should tone yourself down, we wind up attracting people that we don't really want in our lives who, who you know, can't really handle who we really are. Because once you actually get into the relationship, if you've been pretending this whole time, <laughs> it's not going to go well once mm. the real you comes out. You know? yeah. So it really is about not being afraid to be yourself and not being afraid to maybe turn some people off with that. Mm. Because at the end of the day, I attracted my soulmate who loves that I'm a little over the top. And so is he, (laughs) you know, and it's a perfect match and you will find your match. You just have to be patient and and be true to yourself as Marcus said. And if someone turns and runs away because of what you show or Marcus, what you show, then they were never for you in the first place. Exactly. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. So why why push wet spaghetti up a hill just to be in a relationship, you know? <laughs> Marcus said something yesterday to me. Um, go where you're accepted and not tolerated. And that really resonated with me. I think that's really important to take away from this. Okay. Guys, where can we find the podcast? You can find it, uh, for, you can write to us if you want to write for a letter of advice on air. And that's, you can find all the ways to reach us and be a guest expert at datingissuchadrag.com. Or you can find us on YouTube at Dating is Such a Drag channel and on Facebook 
we're at dating is such a drag. And then we're also on all the major podcast uh, platforms like Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. All, all, and the next episode's out 15th of March and then the 22nd. Thank you both. It sounds like fun and certainly the idea of... You know, if you don't like what you're seeing, well, you know, go away, run away, go on. I'll wait for the person who will accept me as I am. Marcus Hunter Neal, aka Lady Portia de Monte, Jan Sullivan Bilecci. Thank you. It's a funny old dating world. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96FM. Apparently Marcus wanted to know if I had any tips for a long-lasting marriage. <laughs> to quote a mutual pal of myself and Fiona, who shall remain nameless to protect his identity. Two tellies. Secret to a happy marriage. Two tellies. Whiskey is another one, but two tellies is probably a bit more acceptable. 0818 96 96 96. Just talking about Kevin, the West Cork, Ukraine appeal. Kevin's my colleague in Solar Winds. He and his family are phenomenal. He's such a wonderful guy. I want him to know he's doing a great job from Ashley and all at Solar Winds. Now, yesterday we were back with Owen Curra. And I went down there on Monday evening down to Sarsfields Court where I spoke with Nasser Harrigan, TD, with Senator Francis Black and with Pat Buckley, TD. And they had just been down as part of an Oireachtas Committee delegation from the uh, Department of Health, uh, Committee of Health Committee. And they had walked around Onakura. And with Nasser Harrigan being an architect with special expertise in healthcare design, she was particularly interested in seeing Owenakura, which the HSE is determined to close. Now, following on from that conversation yesterday, uh, the HSE did issue a statement to the opinion line, which we'll go through in a little while. But first of all, let us remind ourselves of what NASA Harrigan, who is a qualified architect in, with a certain expertise in, healthcare design. Here's what NASA Harrigan had to say on the Opinion Line yesterday about the state of the Onakura building. The HSE insists it is beyond repair in its present form. I completely disagree. So first of all, they are citing the, the smaller rooms and issues around asbestos as a reason to close this site. Now, we all know in Ireland that the HSE and healthcare buildings in general, we have a poor building stock and if you applied those standards to most of our building stock, to most of our healthcare facilities, you'd actually be closing a lot of them down. Not just Onakura, you'd be closing down hundreds of beds around the country. So first of all, that doesn't stack up. Second of all, if anyone knows the Onakura site, as I now do, having come down here, it's, um, it's a square site with four, four bays, four wings. Now, there's a theory in healthcare design called um, horizontal evacuation, and it means that, let's say there's a fire or something, you can move people around the building, so you don't have to take them out of the building. There's, that building is low occupancy now. There's 11 people in there. It's a huge building. You could literally rebuild it wing by wing and move people around that building. That would be possible. Even taking the asbestos into account? Listen, you could retrofit it and remove out all the, the, all the asbestos. You could also l- physically rebuild every single wing of that building from scratch if you so chose and that that 
was the um, that was the cost benefit way of doing it. And you know what? If if they don't have the expertise down here. I, I'm actually going to offer the HSE. I'm going to write to them tomorrow. I'm going to offer my Easter week. Um, I used to be paid very highly to do this. I'm going to offer my Easter week to go through with them. How you would, how would you achieve that? How do you build wing by wing a phase construction where you redo a building? Because it is possible. And now that I've seen it, I can tell you that it's a choice to close down Onakura. The building is not reason enough. There's an architect's view on Onakura, and we put that um, to the HSC yesterday, Fiona, they came back with a statement for us last last evening. They did, PJ, and in that statement they say while there are many issues in the centre, it needs to be borne in mind that inherent, fundamental and unacceptable matters remain unresolved for the HSE's clients and staff. For example, a continuance of residents living in 7.5 square metre bedrooms with no ensuite when the current standard is 22 square metres, including an ensuite. And based on existing standards of accommodation for the client profile in the centre, a new facility approximately twice the size of the current centre would be required. This does not include essential necessities on site such as secure external recreational and therapeutic spaces and as well as an independent day unit. So I suppose that goes against completely goes against what Nessa Harrigan was saying yeah. in that clip. She's, she's pretty much saying you could do it and the HSC saying is here why we can't do it. Mm. She was also talking to you, PJ, about retrofitting the building and um, they have said, the Cork Community Healthcare in their statement have said, given the unacceptable deficiencies in the accommodation, the extensive level of investment required to provide a centre that responds to and meets all of HSE's clients' needs, the age and construction of the building, the restricted size of the site, essential systems such as heating, electrics, building fabric, etc., all beyond end of useful life and the premises falling significantly short of the government's climate action plan requirements. The decision regarding investment of significant funding into a building which would still not bring the unit up to current day acceptable accommodation standards for residents remains unchanged. Okay, so they're pretty much rejecting what Nessa Horrigan had to say on the opinion on yesterday, but we did want to get a statement from them. Uh, and thank you for issuing that to us, HSE. I have also forwarded on last night to, to Nessa Horrigan for her perusal. But as I said yesterday when we were talking about this, we're not letting this one go. We are definitely not letting this one go. Why are they so insistent on closing Onakura? What is actually going on? Quick reminder for you that Premier League Live is back this Saturday at 96fm.ie with Trevor Welsh, powered by TalkSport. Trevor and the team have Brighton v Liverpool at half 12 and Manchester United versus Spurs at 5.30. It's the Premier League Live online with now. Stream live Premier League action with a now Sport and Sports Extra membership. Your sport on your terms. Streaming only the games that matter to you most with now. And listen Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie. Now, passports, it hasn't gone away, you know. We spent a lot of time talking about passports uh, last month. Uh, then we had a war to deal with. Lisa, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? I just said to Fiona, my voice has gone for practice in my speech. <laughs> and all together. Now, you applied for a passport. Now, are you renewing or getting a new one? 
It's actually on behalf of my friends. Now, there's six of us together going away. We're six very menopausal ladies that need a break. Oh, God. Okay. She, alert the authorities in Benidorm anyway for a start, right? Listen, we're actually representing Ireland and we're bringing our own bowl of shamrock over. Good, good, good for you. Good for you. You're going to the Solana. I, so, suppose, you, I suppose you've watched the television the show. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> very good friend very good fan of it all together. <laughs> Listen, she actually applied to the post office on the 25th of January Express Post. Right. Then she reapplied online because people were saying to her, you won't get it on time. She reapplied online on the 25th of Fe- or the 22nd of February. Right. Now, she's going back and forth. They're saying her photograph is wrong, blah, blah. But at the end of it, she's after been told now the 23rd of March, we're going away on the 16th. Now, PJ, we're very, very desperate. We're after having four cancellations of 50ths. One of them went through cancer. Another girl buried her mother. Now, I know, look, there's war going on and all that, but believe me, we have had our own war in the last two years. Because if one more person asks me what's for dinner, I'm going to split somebody. We're locked in. We need to get away, PJ. And I'm pleading with you to help us. Please get us away. Well, you're heading for Benidorm. And we can't go away without her. Yes. I've only ever been there once. And you're going for a weekend, which is, I think is probably about as much as the human brain can tolerate over there. But by God, it's a mad place. I'm I'm actually planning on moving over there with my husband, believe it or not. Yeah. Oh, yes. Watch this space, PJ. You'll be like Madge with the scooter. Oh, absolutely. And he'll be the the Irish Buddha. We'll open a bar called the Irish Buddha. Watch this space. I love it. Get me the passport, PJ, please. Telling her now that it'll be ready on the 23rd. Yeah, but we're actually flying on the 16th. Like, if, listen, she'd go up on the train to Dublin herself, and her problem is nobody will answer the phone. She went yeah. into the Cork passport office, and the security man wouldn't even leave her in. She just wants to speak to somebody and tell them, please, I need it before the 16th. No one will answer the phones. Yeah. Nobody, like, could you please help us out? Oh, my only chat. You could be our knight in shining armour now, PJ, and we will bring you home loads of beer. Do you know what I'm not going to be? I'm not not going to be a politician and I'm not going to promise it to you, right? Because that would be daft. Attaboy. Yes, attaboy. But but, but what I do know, if it's in the system and they're giving her a date and she needs to travel urgently, just needs to travel on the 16th, then surely somebody can help. That's what I'm saying, but nobody will answer the phones, PJ. Nobody will answer. She's distracted. She's the skinniest one of us from stress. <laughs> and I'm the saddest one because I got COVID stones in the middle of it then, but we'll yeah. get over that. Yeah, we see we had the we co- we, we had, we had COVID stone, right? And and, yes. and and then we had the Christmas kilos. Then we had the Christmas kilos and, we two and then of, I we two sets of Christmas kilos. <laughs> And and I tell you one more thing now. I started going for a walk last week. We're going away next week. Yeah. I went for a walk last week. She's like the horses are after Bolton, but I went out to close the gate. It's a bit late to be walking now. Oh, God, no, it's not. <laughs> Listen, God loves a trier. 
You know what? And he'll Isn't that true? For yourself and myself and a few more like us, Lisa, he'll adore us. Absolutely, absolutely, sir. Right. So, so listen, if there's the anybody out there, we're desperate. She applied on the 25th of January by Express Post. Then she went and yes. did an online on the 25th of February. The last communication she has, and tell me, was that from the online application or from the post office application? The online, the online. So the online application, yeah. she's been told yeah. 23rd of 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 March, and you're supposed to travel on the 16th. And like, it's only a renewal. It's not a brand new passport. Like. That's all. It's only a and renewal. then on top of that, on top of that, then when she goes into the cock office, like even if she spoke to somebody in there, but the security man won't leave her in. She must make an appointment. But apparently, the appointments are only if you're getting a brand new one. Where do you go from there, then, PJ? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, would the man just leave her in the door and explain her case? Or if someone and take leave her getting an emergency one? Yeah, please. Just please, we're begging. Because I mean it. If I don't get that bowl of shamrock over to bed. <laughs> because I, wa- I want to be, I want to be <laughs> the new president of Ireland. Do you know where I can see you now, Lisa, right? I can see you up on the stage, right? With Not Leslie, a bother. With Been Leslie there, done that. Wore the t-shirt. With Leslie in a duet, <laughs> and and Kenneth, and, and Kenneth will do the hair for you. <laughs> I'll even do anything you know, if he just gets us a passport. All right, listen, <laughs> listen. Do you know what? What's your friend's name? Uh, Mags, Mags. Margaret Curtin. Margaret Curtin. I don't know if anyone's listening in the passport office. Look up Margaret Curtin. When we had people on here previously talking about this, it miraculously got started in a day or two. I, please, I, no, please, I, I, please, please, I beg you, yes. Lisa, I won't, I won't promise you, I won't be a politician and I won't Thank promise Thank you so much. Go Thanks on. a million. Take care. And I hope that you do get to Benidorm. I hope that you do. Can you, I, someone ring the police in Benidorm and just alert the authorities over there because if these women get there, they will absolutely wreck the place. I really hope they do. I absolutely hope they do. My husband got his in two days online. It's crazy, says that message. What a morning. The programme edited by Fiona Corker and produced and researched by Fergal Barry. And we shall see you tomorrow just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.